Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today To our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I offer my picks for each and every day of the 2022 Wimbledon. Day two, sauce hold steady on this segment. We go two and two overall with our selections. Now, we were down 0.76 units on the day, but that fact was a byproduct of an unforced error by me. The older I have gotten, the more superstitious I become. And the moment I finished recording yesterday's GSP Ace of the Day, I noticed... I placed a full unit on Barbara Krejcikova while only placing half a unit on Vandesen Schulp and Benjamin Bonzi. The moment I realized that fact, I knew one of those picks was destined to fail. Unfortunately, I figured it would be the Krejcikova pick, given she was the full unit wager and that pick, one of the losses we suffered on the day. Now, Krejcikova did ultimately defeat her first round opponent in Zinevska. We had her winning by over four and a half games. She wins 7 6 6 so a four-game spread for Krejcikova. We come up half a game short now. I take full accountability for that loss, as I should. It was my pick, but I'm blaming the superstitions on that one. And also, half a game off. It was the right direction, just slightly off with the value. Nevertheless, I don't feel terrible about that loss. I also don't feel too bad about the loss in the parlay that we suffered. Certainly was exciting when Jack Sock, Claire Liu, earned victories early in the day and most sports books offer you the opportunity to cash out at various points of a parlay. Certainly, had you chosen to cash out after the Claire Lou match, after the Jack Sock match, you would have retained some value from that pick. Now, again, I'm not making an excuse. Ultimately, that parlay comes up short. Dan Evans blitzed on the day, absolutely blitzed uh, in the end by his opponent, Jason Kubler. And Kubler had played outstanding tennis at the challenger level really since the start of May. It made the Little Rock Challenger final and finaled at the Orlando Challenger the following week, came through qualifying fairly unscathed to reach the main draw of Wimbledon. That said, Dan Evans has always been exceptional on a grass court and I did not see that loss coming, particularly coming in the straight set fashion that it did. So that parlay comes up short. Nevertheless, we're a glass half full sort of podcast here at Crack Rackets. And you look at our two victories on the day, certainly feeling good about that Botic Vandesen Schulp over five and a half games cover against Feliciano Lopez Vandesen Schulp earning a straight set victory. We thought given Vandesen Schulp's playing style, given the lack of success Lopez had had over the past 52 plus 
weeks, it was certainly Vandesenskulp the favorite. Entering the match, we were able to profit off of that fact, able to profit off of the continued success of Benjamin Bonsi, who was simply just too much for his opponent, Zdenek Kolar, who doesn't have a lot of grass matches under his belt. The majority of his success has come on the clay courts. You could tell in the game style of Kolar. Again, we saw the advantage for Bonsi, saw his recent successes in the buildup to Wimbledon as well, able to profit off that fact. So two and two overall on day two, down 0.76 units overall. Of course, we did point out a couple of other players who went on to have successes, the Liam Brodies of the world, Sebastian Baez's of the world, Chinwen Jung's of the world. I didn't make them my aces of the day, but certainly pointed them out to all of you listeners. Perhaps you profited off of those facts. Hopefully all of you are learning the value of live betting throughout the course of these tournaments as well. Live betting, an essential ingredient if you're trying to have success gambling on tennis. You take an underdog, they win the first set. Then you can just bet the favorite who will at that point, according to the books, will be a live dog, a live match underdog. And, you know, again, you place enough money on both of those odds, you're kicking your feet up and just enjoying the rest of the match, putting some money in your pocket, no matter what the outcome may be. All of that said, you look overall through the first round of action. We're 6-3-1, up 1.15 units overall. We are on track to hit our goals, the plan to win over 60% of our picks this tournament, finish up 10 units or higher. And with that in mind, we get into day three at the 2022 Wimbledon. A couple of first round matches still to finish up, but the majority of the match is going to be round two affairs. And certainly as the tournament progresses, the action only going to get tighter and tighter. And we see the odds narrow significantly as we look towards the second round. Yes, there are still some lopsided favorites, the own Jabours of the world, Novak Djokovic's of the world. You're never going to get profitable money lines on them to just simply win the match at this stage of a tournament. But certainly when you start to look at some of the other odds, some of the other matches, the Conteves versus Niemeyers of the world, even, you know, on the flip side of that, if you like Niemeyer as an underdog, you like those odds. But, you know, a Carlos Alcaraz still just a minus 295 against a Greek Spora. Tiafo minus 400 against a Martyr. Murray minus 245 against a John Isner. There are some intriguing lines here in round two. I want to explore some of them on today's podcast. Of course, look at the over-unders, whether it be over two and a half sets and over and under in terms of total games in the matches. I want to look at the game spreads. We've had some success with those game spread through our first two days of action. And then, of course, I've got a parlay for you, and I've got a futures bet for you as well. With round one in the books, we've seen every player compete at least once. As such, I am ready to make one grand pronunciation here on today's podcast in terms of a future bet. But again, want to run through day three's action preview. My favorite matches on the day where I see value on the board. Of course, the reason we are able to do that is because of the support we get from all of you listeners day in, day out. And if you are looking for recaps of every day of the 2022 Wimbledon, hop on over to our mini break podcast feed. We've got you covered. I went through all of day one storylines. Going to go through day two's action a little bit later. Of course, we'll have our cast of characters, whether it be David Kane, David Gertler, Gil Gross, Jeff Sackman, going to try and get a bunch of them on the show throughout the course of the week as well to help us navigate all of the action. But again, immensely grateful for the support we've gotten from all of you listeners. It's what inspires us to provide daily content, which we know all of you listeners need when you're trying to navigate 100 plus singles matches a day. So all that content available wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, a massive shout out to our friends at Turna as well. You all can recognize and identify a Turner grip when you see it. That iconic bluish purplish grip on the rackets of countless professionals, college, local players. Again, Turner Grip's been providing the best equipment for generations of tennis players. And whether it be the grip, whether it be their award-winning strings or so much more, you can benefit your game today by joining the Turna team. You can learn more by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned we here at Crack Racket sent you the hook you up with discounted pricing, hook you up with free samples, treat you like family as well. Again, that's sales at uniquesports.com, sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turna family today. With all of that said, let's get into day three at the 2022 Wimbledon. Second round action 
on our plate. Let's start with the money lines, and we'll start on the women's side. Again, it's a difficult day to navigate. Lots of odds tightening on day two, particularly as it pertains to the women's action. You look at some of the fun matchups we're going to see on the day. Certainly, all of us have been awaiting, at least here at Crack Rackets. I've mentioned it a couple of times, the Jessica Pagula, Donna Vekic first round match. That match carrying over to tomorrow has yet to be played. But when you look at some of the second round of uh, action, you've got someone like Alicia Tsarenko, who has been a rising star, steadily ascending up towards the WTA top 75. She's taking on someone in Angelina Kalanina, who's probably a step or two ahead of Sorenko in terms of that progress. And Kalanina, a solid three-set victory in her first-round match. Just such a tough out, such a high floor match-in, match-out for Kalanina. Asks so many questions of you, is so mobile regardless of the surface. Even if you give Sorenko the power advantage, you know, the relentlessness of Kalanina, you like her, right? At the same time, you probably give Sorenko the advantage. Kalanina, minus 135. I'm a little scared of that line. I think that's a pick Similarly, Marta Kostyuk, who I thought was pretty rock solid in her first round victory. You look for Marta Kostyuk, ultimately a 4-6-6-4-6-4 come from behind victory against Katie Swan, who certainly had the home crowd advantage at Wimbledon, but Kostyuk able to find her groove, those weapons winning out. She's always dangerous, uh, but she's got a tough opponent in Jung Shui, and certainly, again, minus 130 odds for Kostyuk. Yes, I agree. Her best tennis is better than Jung Shui's, but how much does Kostyuk have left in the tank uh, heading into this second round match? That one scares me. I don't want to touch it. Similarly, again, the, you know, Conteves of the world, minus 235. How healthy is she? Julie Niemeyer, the young German has been exceptional over the past couple of months. Contefe minus 235. Yeah, she looked good against Bernardo Pera, but that match scares me. As good as Marie Buzkova was against round, in round one against Danielle Collins, can she follow that up against another hard-hitting American from the baseline in Ann Lee, who I think is one of the ascending stars on the WTA Tour, minus 165 for Buzkova. I'd probably lean more in the Ann Lee direction if I'm going to make a bet in that match. Ann Lee plus 135. Hope she wins the first set. Live bet Marie Buzkova. Get out of there. But that's a pick'em sort of match. Again, a bunch of pick'ems on the day. And I know you turn to this GSP ace of the day for my picks. I promise we'll get to those ace of the day selections. But I do want to try and run through the board more frequently on these segments. Look at all of the matches. And again, I can't pick a definitive winner in about 12 of the scheduled matches we see tomorrow on the women's side. Certainly, I think Ostapenko is going to beat Vic Meyer, but minus 700, no thank you. I think Kerber should beat Magda Lynette, beat her at the French Open. Now you're on a grass court, it's even better, but minus 295. That's probably the one women's match I would throw in the parlay zone. I feel pretty confident about Angelique Kerber. Kirstea Maria, no thank you in that match. I think Mertens is going to beat Udvardi handily, but minus 1,200, not a lot of value there. Ali Risk, minus 700, not a lot of value there. You look, you know, Jabour, you know, you have to bet $60 to win and one in return, no thanks. Sakari, $8 to win, one in return, no thanks. A bunch of stayaways across the board, in my opinion, tomorrow. And then, you know, again, Aradakanu versus Caroline Garcia. I like the over probably in that match. There are a bunch of overs I like, given how competitive I think the day is going to be. And I'll get into those overs momentarily or a bit later in the show. But I don't feel great about any of the money lines on the women's side tomorrow. The ones that are probably my favorite individually, I'd look at Marta Kostyuk, minus 130. I just do think her better, her best is better than Jung Shui. I think Antelina Kalanina, just a little too physical. And while she doesn't have the baseline pop that Simona Halep does, go watch Sorenko's match against Halep from about two weeks ago during this grass court season, Halep a straight set victory over Sorenko. Sorenko certainly was able to manufacture moments to be the aggressor, to be on her front foot, but it was so difficult for her to do that. And I think from a matchup perspective, Kalanina is going to be able to apply that same sort of pressure physically. So I do think Kalanina 
ultimately edges out. And then again, the upsets I would go with. I think Ann Lee's going to win. I'm just not going to tap on the Ann Lee well twice. I'm going to enjoy that match as a fan. I'm going to take Ann Lee plus 135 probably if I were to make a pick. Julie Niemeyer plus 190. I do think she knocks out Annette Conteve tomorrow. And for those of you who are looking for a little bit more perhaps about uh, uh, Julie Niemeyer, excuse me, you look for Niemeyer, what she's been able to do uh, over the course of the past couple of months. Again, good grass court run for Niemeyer, or good, I suppose, yeah, grass court run for Niemeyer despite going one and two. A three-set loss for Niemeyer against Belinda Benchich. She then beats Claire Liu, who's in the second round of Wimbledon, two and two, before another three-set loss to Daria Kasatkina. She won in 125K at the end of May. Before that, she qualified for Roland Garros before losing three sets first round to Sloan Stevens, wins a 60K, semifinals in 100K. The 22-year-old Niemeyer is on the rise into the top 100 for the first time in her career. This, I mean, again, would it be the biggest victory of her career? Unequivocally, to beat the number two seed at Wimbledon. And Niemeyer doesn't have the largest track record of grass court matches, but give me the certainty of Niemeyer, who is an ascending star, against the uncertainty of Conteve right now. If I'm going to pick an upset on the day again, I would pick Niemeyer, pray she wins the first set, Probably live bet Conteve the moment Niemeyer does win that second uh, first set, then kick up my feet and enjoy the rest of the match. I think Niemeyer is going to push Conteve tomorrow. That would be probably, you know, again, those would be the money lines that stand out to me in terms of one I would consider. But the action, the action I actually like on the day is a money line on the women's side. And our first ace of the day is going to belong to Diane Perry, the 19-year-old French woman, a rising star on the WTA Tour, former top junior in the world, has looked excellent on the grass courts and through her first matches here at the 2022 Wimbledon. You look for Diane Perry, what she's been able to do. And of course, Diane Perry, for those of you who don't know, reached the world number one junior ranking in October 2019. She reached the semifinals of junior Wimbledon back in 2019 as well. Diane Perry has had a bunch of success throughout the course of 2022. Now, a lot of it has been at the 80K or 125K level, but you look for Perry, 45 and 27 in her last 52 weeks of action, has tried to make the jump this season, play more WTA level matches. And of course, her big breakthrough happened at the 2022 Wimbledon, uh, French Open, excuse me, where she was able to knock out Barbara Krajikova, the number two seed defending champ in the first round. Now, yes, that was Krajikova's first match in about three months, but for Perry to not only win that match, but follow it up with a straight set victory over Kami Osorio, another ascending WTA talent who had already had a WTA clay court title on her resume, uh, a fantastic follow-up victory for Diane Perry. And then you look for Perry during the grass court season. She goes and plays the 125K in Italy, makes the semifinals of that tournament, knocks out Kaya Kanepi in straight sets in round number one. You watch Diane and Perry play, the thing that stands out are the weapons. And first and foremost, her weapon is her speed, her quickness, her ability to strike the ball early on the rise. She's able to find forehands in just about any location on the court, able to take the ball early on the rise and just, again, be the aggressor uh, throughout the course of rallies, particularly when she's playing someone without a definitive weapon against her. Now, Diane Perry does have a one-handed backhand, and you look for Diane Perry, who is 12-15 and 15 here in 2022, but again, has been going through the qualifying route, trying to make that jump and play more WTA-level matches this season. I'd point to her evidence of that semifinal run in Italy to the success she can have when she goes and plays the 125K matches, but, you know, for... Perry, certainly that one-handed backhand is attackable. She'll leave that backhand short when she swings through it. She's got a bigger backswing on that side, so if you can get pace depth into that wing, you can definitely find opportunities to attack her, but she's got a slingshot of a serve. And again, behind that serve, her ability to use that quickness to find the plus one forehand, her comfort level moving forward when, you know, again, not only is she a competent voller who 
knows when to get to the net and what to do with the first volley, but she's got excellent touch, excellent feel around the net, can snap off a high backhand volley, but byproduct of that one-handed backhand. There's a lot to like about the game of 19-year-old Diane Perry. And again, you look for Diane Perry, who earned a 4-4 four and four victory over Kaya Kanepi, won 76% of her first serve points, 54% of her second serve points. Just looked comfortable playing on her terms, which you have to be comfortable doing on a grass court. And certainly you look for Diane Perry again at 19 years old. Of course, she's not going to have a ton of grass court experience. And, you know, this Wimbledon and the 125K she played a couple of weeks ago are her only two grass court matches in her career. But again, you look for Diane Perry, 45 and 27 over the last 50, two weeks, uh, made the final in Buenos Aires at the end of last season, have won a title in Montevideo at the end of last season as well. Yes, that success came on clay and the majority of her success, you look for her in her career, 99 and 76 overall, 82 of those 99 victories have come on clay courts. But this is one of those instances where I point to the 125K success And I would point to the Junior Wimbledon success and then the eye test as well, the aggression she plays with. It just fits this surface. And why do I think she's played so many different clay court matches? Because A, she's incredibly quick on the clay courts, and B, that clay surface definitely protects her backhand a bit. But I think you need to have elite sort of weapons to expose that backhand, whether it be your discipline or your power. And with all due respect to my Huntama, who has... You know, again, at Mahantama at 22 years old has risen into the top 150 of the WTA rankings, reached a career-high 126 earlier this season, currently at 138, entering this Wimbledon, qualifies for Wimbledon, drops a couple of sets, but ultimately gets through as the number nine seed in qualifying. There's no doubt this has been a breakthrough season for Hantama, who was exceptional early in the year. You know, as a lucky loser, played a really fun match, losing in three sets to Victoria Golubic. And, you know, at the end of last season, made a quarterfinal in Chicago before getting knocked out by Muguruza and, you know, had some success in Billie Jean King Cup, has had some success at the 125K level as well. But I just think, again, on this surface, both players being exceptional athletes, and there's no doubt Hantama is disciplined enough to attack the Perry backhand rigorously. I just don't know if she quite has the weapons to do so on this surface. I think the serve for Perry, the forehand for Perry are the two biggest weapons on the court. And again, yes, Hantama, the beneficiary of a 4-1 victory via retirement over Clara Tawson, uh, certainly from a rest and mental perspective, she will be the fresher of the two players compared to Diane Perry, who just earned a signature victory over a seed in Kaya Kanepi in straight sets to earn her first pro victory at Wimbledon. At the same time, Perry followed up the Krejcikova victory excellently against Osorio at the French Open. And you look for Diane Perry, who again, as of right now, number 77 in the WTA rankings. That's a career high. I just think she's ascending right now. And if you haven't seen the serve, yeah, the toss, it's a little high. But she springs through that ball, can hit all of the spots. Again, exceptional moving around her plus one forehand. Comfortable moving forward. I love her game. Her slice is a little bit more effective on this surface. I like Diane Perry to win tomorrow. And certainly, you look at the odds for Perry. There are a couple of ways. If you really, you know, again, what's the more valuable play on the day would be to take Diane Perry to cover the minus one and a half games against Tantama. She wins in straight sets. You cover that minus 125 versus just taking the money line at minus 150. But I'm not a thousand percent sure she's going to win this match. And I'm not a hundred percent sure she's going to win this match in straight sets. And so I just think the safer play, because there is a world where Hantama comes out extraordinarily disciplined or perhaps the forehand goes a bit awry for Diane Perry or the first serve percentage dips and Hantama is able to find the backhand corner with her return of serve. There's a pathway for Hantama to stay in this match, keep it competitive. There's a reason it's only minus 150. At the same time, I do think the weapons, the fitness of Perry win out. Give me her at minus 150 on the money line. We'll just take her to straight up win the match. Going to throw half a unit on that to win 0.33 overall. And again, if you haven't watched the 19-year-old French woman play. Diane Perry is going to be someone who's in the conversation moving forward. Of course, that's a look at the women's money lines on the men's side. 
it's an interesting day of value. I, I do think the men's side is a side where maybe you strike on day number two because some of those top seeds odds have narrowed, and I do think a bunch of them should, if not comfortably, should solidly advance on day number three of Wimbledon. Let's look at some of the lopsided odds. You've got someone like Yannick Sinner, minus 575 over Mikhail Emer. Emer certainly going to test you. And Emer, the sort of athlete who can play physical tennis regardless of the surface, but go watch the highlights from Yannick Sinner's victory over Stan Wawrinka. Go watch how fluid Sinner looked and how much more comfortable he was despite the stumbles in and out of corners. He could get to the ball. Just, you know, again, recovery, was the, which is the next step for him. Uh, the first step was looking good. The ball was so explosive off of his racket. He just freezes you with his pace on this surface. And when he has his feet set under him, just so difficult to deal with his rally ball. I just think this match is on his racket from the start. And I do think physically he's progressed enough to where he should advance comfortably but minus 575 you don't love that on its own maybe you throw that into a super parlay that in this business is what we call a tease folks uh but that's an interesting line you know tiafo minus 400 against max martyr the lefty martyr certainly powerful his serve lefty maximized on this surface but francis took care of business in round one i think he senses the opportunity in his section of the draw and i expect him even if it's not straight sets. I just, again, I think the lefty servant to his backhand, it's not a horrible matchup for Tiafo to face lefty forehand into his backhand as well. I like Francis's ability to keep Martyr pushed back and I like the fact that he'll have opportunity to show off his athleticism, turn defense into offense. Minus 400, not something you love on its own, but Certainly in the parlay zone, you've got Alcaraz minus 295, Murray minus 245. I think all of those are certainly interested on the interesting on the day. Now, there are a couple of lopsided money lines that, you know, again, probably don't not going to be able to touch, right? You look at someone like a Novak Djokovic, $40 you have to bet to win one in return in his match against Tanasi Kokonakis. Cam Nori, who I think is going to cruise comfortably against Haomi Munar. First of all, you can only get nine and a half games as a spread, which means he has to win more definitively than three, three, and three, which is just a lot to ask out of anyone on this surface. But Nori minus 800, I feel pretty good about him tomorrow. Then there are the toss-ups, and there are a lot of fun ones on the day. You look at someone like, you know, again, a an Ugo Umber who has won a grass court title in Halle and reached a round of 16 at Wimbledon, plus 125 against a Kasparut who self-processed, professed, excuse me, doesn't love this surface. Lefty Umber just constantly peppering that backhand of Kasparut, finding plus one forehand opportunities. Again, Plus 125 from Bear. The books respect his upset chances, as do I. That's an interesting underdog. Maybe you take him, he wins set one. You live bet rude if you're feeling uncomfortable. Stevie J, plus 120 against Ryan Peniston. Peniston has had an exceptional grass court season. He's a lefty who's going to serve into the one-handed backhand of Stevie Johnson. This is just a little mental note, folks. Stevie J senses his opportunity. No one gets up for big matches more than Stevie J, who, of course, 72 consecutive matches to end his college career, the winningest men's collegiate tennis player of all time. And this is a college-on-college college match. And Ryan Penniston will know who Stevie Johnson is and will respect who Stevie Johnson is. And Penniston's going to go out there and ball. Ultimately, of course, that's not going to matter. But Stevie's going to have an edge to him. That's just, I'm feeling Stevie tomorrow, plus 120. Now, of course, I'm not going to bet it, but you should. Uh, I'm a wimp, and I just, college on college, too much, I have no crime here. I just, I, I would feel ooey if I tried to bet on it. Um, but you should bet on Stevie Johnson if you're feeling inclined on that, in that match. You know, a Kesmenovic minus 400. Is he going to beat Tabilo tomorrow? The lefty Tabilo, the bigger server, going to have the opportunity to dictate. Tabilo survives five-set match number one, though. That's why Kasmanovic minus 400. You throw him in the parlay zone. I mean, everyone thought David Goffin was injured, but he beat Radu Elbot pretty comfortably. That said, Baez looked good today in a win over Taro Daniel. Bias plus 140 is interesting. That match is a stay away for me, except for maybe the over in games, which we'll talk about momentarily. Davidovich Fokina, breakthrough victory over Hubi Hercots, but Yuri Vesely, who's made a second week at Wimbledon, tall lefty, you know, again, just going to force Davidovich Fokina to have to stay disciplined throughout the course of the match, which we know Davidovich Fokina is not always. Mm. 
that's a stay away for me. You know, Ota minus 550, too rich. Bublik minus 400. If you're betting on Sasha Bublik, you're just destined for failure. And, you know, again, Opelka, Van Reithoven, it's a pick em, essentially. I want no part of that big serving affair. Basilevili, Hallis, no thank you for me. That's a look at the men's money lines. Now, perhaps some of you are screaming into your podcast, were screaming, excuse me, in your car. Alex, what about Tommy Paul? He plays again tomorrow as well. Well, folks, I think we're going to bet Tommy Paul at minus 155 to knock out Adrian Manorino tomorrow. Now, of course, Adrian Manorino, perennial threat on the grass courts. Manorino has had so much success throughout the course of his career. When you look for Adrian Manorino, whether it be, you know, earlier this season in the Netherlands where he knocks out Demonauer, Nakashima before reaching the semifinals and losing a tight 5-5 five and five match to Daniil Medvedev. You look for him overall in his career, 80-53 and 53 is Manorino uh, on grass courts. Of course, he's won a title in the Netherlands prior in his career. He's made runs to the second week of Wimbledon in his career most recently in 2018 where he knocked out Medvedev Harrison Green before getting knocked out by Roger Federer round of 16 in 2017 as well beat Feliciano Lopez Gael Monfils and Seguida before getting knocked out by Novak Djokovic Manorino's been a litmus test if you want to be a serious contender at Wimbledon you have to beat an Adrian Manorino because if you don't you know again he's going to get to the round of 16 and lose to a Federer or a Djokovic but that's, again, the standard you have to be to beat him on this surface. That said, I think Tommy Paul has been that good. I think Tommy Paul is ready to surpass Adrian Manorino and earn the victory uh, and knock him off. You look for Tommy, who was so good in the run-up to Wimbledon. Quarterfinals for him in Queens Club. Beat Chapo, beat Stan before getting knocked out by Berrettini. Then goes to Eastbourne, beats Francisco Serundolo, who we all saw push Nadal to the brink today. In four sets, Tommy beat him in three in Eastbourne. He beat Yannick Sinner in three before getting knocked out by Demonauer in four, uh, in three, excuse me. That was a straight set victory for Tommy in round number one against Verdasco. And there was just a confidence to Tommy throughout the course of that match, a trust in his weapons, in his athleticism, that he was just the better tennis player than Verdasco, which of course he was. And that the plus one tactics of Verdasco, while perhaps sometimes better executed than anything Tommy would throw at Fernando, just wasn't enough to beat Tommy. And when I look at Tommy's matchup tomorrow, again, minus 155, Tommy Paul, the favorite uh, to knock out Adrian Manorino, I just think... It's a good matchup for Tommy. I think when you look for Manorino, again, certainly the lefty has had so much success over the years, but Tommy has always matched up well against lefties. And I mentioned this before the Verdasco match, but in his career, Tommy Paul, 38-14 and 14 against lefties. His ability to absorb pace on that backhand wing. I think the backhand return of serve is the better side for Tommy of the two. And, you know, again, his ability to take that backhand down the line to keep Manorino honest, his ability to step inside the baseline, be the aggressor. He is very much a comfortable volleyer who knows where to go, what to do with that volley and uh, exceptional touch as well. A fantastic first step to uh, improve his coverage at the net, even though he's not 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", like some of these guys. Are Tommy is just an elite athlete, the sort of athlete who should thrive on this surface that challenges your athleticism perhaps more than any other. And look, again, Adrian Manorino is the litmus test. He's going to keep the ball low. He's going to change direction well. He's going to slap some on-the-run lefty forehand winners that just cross you over. And, you know, again, it's so difficult to change direction on this surface that there's not much you can do about it. Both of these players belong in a country club, just swinging away freely into their 40s, into their 50s, into their 60s. It's a perfect grass court match. It's going to be exceptional. I just think Tommy's better. Right now, and again, Manorino pushed to five sets in his first round match. Tommy, the straight set victor. I just think Tommy's playing better right now. Again, you look for Adrian Manorino. Yes, he made that semifinal in the Netherlands. Loses to Dan Evans in Eastbourne. Uh, the two weeks later, five sets against Purcell as well. He struggled in his last two. I don't think he played particularly well in round one. I just don't think he has enough juice to hang with Tommy right now. So I think Tommy earns the victory. And rather than go with the game spread, because again, too much respect 
for Adrian Manorino to win a set or, you know, push things to a five. I'm just going to bet on the athleticism of Tommy straight up to win the match. Give me Tommy Paul at minus 155. We'll throw half a unit on it. We're staying consistent today. We learned our lesson, but half a unit on it to win 0.32. That's ace of the day selection number two. So again, our money line picks, Diane Perry, minus 150 over Hantama, half a unit to win 0.33. Tommy Paul, minus 155 over Manorino, half a unit to win 0.32. Why the small bets? Because it's still early in the tournament, and I'm not precisely sure how exceptional everyone is. Again, I have two weeks of warm-up events to know that about Tommy Paul and have watched a lot of Diane Perry of late in preparation for this pick, but still only going half a unit wagers. We'll start picking that up as we get towards the third, fourth rounds, and obviously as we get towards the home stretch of the tournament. But with that in mind, that's a look at the money lines. Let's go through the over-unders game spreads now. It'll be a little bit quicker here because I wanted to try and touch on every match in that money line selection, offer you at least some facsimile of a pick for everything tomorrow. But the matches I like to go the distance. I think Jung Shui versus Marta Kostiuk, absolutely can go two and a half sets. I think Kalanina Serenko can go three sets. Excuse me. I think Libu's over two and a half sets, three sets for Shui and Kostyuk. I think Libu's Kova and Lee could swing her way th- freely to a first set, and then Buzkova is going to make it a track meet. I could see that one going three sets. All of those plus 130 odds, which means DraftKings agrees with me. Some of the riskier ones, you know, a Mar- uh, Tatiana Maria Kirstea, plus 145, a golfy Yuvan, plus 145, you know, a Wang Chung Watson, plus 135, Kanteve Niemeyer, uh, plus 150. Those are all interesting. Radakanu Garcia, Garcia goes three sets in her first round match. She won a title last week. She has a lot of tennis on her body, but she's played exceptional grass tennis, and there will be moments when her forehand does overwhelm Radakanu. so I could see that match going three sets. Certainly, those are the over on the women's side, on the men's side. I mean, Van Reithoven Opelka. If you think that match is going more than three sets, bet the over. Because let's just assume there are two tiebreakers in the first two sets. Let's say it's 7 6, 6 7, 4 6. Well, right there, you've got, what, 36 games on your belt. I don't think there's going to be a six love set. If you've got 36 games heading into a fourth set, over 42 and a half games is going to hit because all it's got to be is 6 1 going into the fourth. Or even if there's a 6 3 set, then it's got to be 6 2 in the fourth set. Two, even if there are two non-tiebreaker sets, I don't think either of them are going to be 6-1 or 6-love. Both of these guys too good as servers. So over 42 and a half games, if you think this match is going four sets, minus 115, pretty good odds. I actually like that one quite a bit. I think Gofan Baez goes at least four sets, 38 and a half games. Again, I think that's going to hit the number if you like 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. You know, that's 30 games going into a fourth set. 6-3, they cover the over there. Minus 125. 38 and a half games, Johnson Peniston. Again, I think that one's going to be close. Minus 125. Tabilo Kesmenovic, you can get minus 120 for 35 and a half games. Again, I think Tabilo could steal a set. Under 36 and a half games in Ota Harrison. That one's interesting to me because when I look at Oscar Ota, I see a guy who's got a tough draw, certainly. I believe third round for him would be a test against, if not Novak, uh, it would be Carlos Alcaraz as his third round matchup. And look, I think Ota's capable perhaps of winning that match. Oscar Ota has been one of the rising stars on the ATP Tour this season. You look for Oscar Ota, the German, uh, extraordinarily successful, 28 years old this month, or next month, has you know had a career season here in 2022, 53 and 26 overall in his last 52 weeks, 19 and 17 in 2022, but all but one of those matches have been played at the ATP level. And you look for Oscar Ota, who made a semifinal on the clay courts of Munich back at the end of April. He makes a semifinal in Halle as well on the grass courts in the lead up to this semifinal in Stuttgart. Earns wins over Shapovalov, Hachinov, Basilishvili, Kesmenovic in his various pathways to those semifinal. I mean, look, Oscar Ota, 6'4", 6'5", 
has the big plus one serve, and you look for Ota this season holding 81% of the time. That's a top 25 number amongst top 50 players, which Oscar Ota at number 37 is in the on the Tennis Abstract Stats leaderboard. He's comfortable serving volleying. He's comfortable hitting the big plus one return following that ball, and he's also much like Max Cressy, just fluid for a guy with that 6'4", 6'5", wiry big server frame. It's a guy who can move. In and out of the outer thirds of the court, a guy who, again, is comfortable playing on the run, is exceptional improvisational skills. I have become thoroughly impressed with the game of Oscar Ota. And while 19 and 17 doesn't sound exceptional, those aren't top 25 numbers. Those are top 50 numbers. If you go 19 and 17, you make three semifinals plus a quarterfinal in Belgrade. Plus, you know, you win a first round match uh, earlier this season at the Australian Open. You're going to be a top 50 player. And that's what Oscar Ota is. I think he's even better than that on grass courts. Again, his big serving game, the aggression he plays with, proved as much in Stuttgart in Halle. He's got a very favorable matchup tomorrow against a Christian Harrison, who you have to feel so good about. Harrison, the 28-year-old, has gone through so many different injuries throughout the course of his career. Gets his first you know, win at a Grand Slam, beating Jay Clark in round number one at Wimbledon. But you look for Christian Harrison throughout the course of his career. And 34 and 22, obviously exceptional over his last 52 weeks, but against top 100 players in his career. Christian Harrison, actually better than I thought he would be. 7-19 and 19 overall. You expand that to top 50 players. Christian Harrison, 1-4. His only victory coming at the start of 2021. 6-2 against Christian Green at Delray Beach. I mean, again, Oscar Oates is just a better player on a grass court than Christian Green is right now on a hard court. It's a completely different test, and, you know, you look for Christian Harrison in his career. And shout-out to Tennis Abstract, which allows us to look all of these things up. Harrison actually 5-4 and four in his career against players 6 foot 4 or taller. Has a win over Max Cressy, but that came back in 2019 at the Dallas Challenger. Beat Opelka in 2018 uh, twice as well. But, again, I—, I I just don't like the, love the matchup here for Harrison. I think Oscar Ota's a different sort of beast. I think the, the power tennis that Ota's able to play, uh, again, as remarkable as this run has been for Harrison to come through qualifying, earn his first Grand Slam victory at age 28. I think Oscar Ota ends the run. Ota's just been too good uh, throughout the stretch of this season. You look for Oscar Ota against players ranked outside the top 50. He's 13-9 and nine this season against top uh, players ranked outside the top 100. He's 9-4. You look for him in the last 52 weeks, 40 and 12 against players ranked outside the top 100. I just think Oscar Ota, again, too much here for Christian Harrison. I think Ota wins this match in straight sets. I think he wins it comfortably as well. And with a game spread of minus five and a half games, I feel pretty comfortable on that wager. You look again, minus five and a half games, 6-4, or 7 all of those spreads cover. He's just got to earn a, you know, again, a break in a couple of sets. Hopefully he serves or doesn't serve first in one of them. Um, I like Oscar Ota minus the five and a half games to advance comfortably. He dropped, what, four games in his first round match. Give me Ota to cover the minus five and a half game spread over Christian Harrison. Minus 115 odds. Again, this feels like a good matchup. Minus 115 odds for us. We're going to put half a unit on that to win 0.43. I would put a full unit on it, but we learned our lesson from yesterday. The other ones, you know, again, Sinner minus five and a half games against Emer minus 150. Tiafo minus four and a half games over Martyr minus 135 on the women's side. I love Ostapenko minus four and a half games. Minus 195 is just too rich for my blood. Oh, I should have thrown her in with a parlay with Kerber on the money line. That would have been smarter. If I, if I was more prepared, I would have parlayed the Ostapenko minus four and a half games with the Kerber money line against Lynette, and you probably get about even odds or plus 120 odds. There's a bonus parlay for all of you sprinkled in here to the ace of the day, but you know, Dart minus four and a half games, Kerber minus three and a half games, Begue minus three and a half games, Perry minus three and a half, uh, minus one and a half game, as I alluded to earlier. All of those interesting to me, but Ultimately, I think I'm just going to stick with uh, Oscar Ota. I'm just I'm I'm not sure how tomorrow's women's matches are go. I'm a little bit uh, are going to go. I'm a little bit afraid of the board. I think we're going to have some good tennis across the day. But with all of that in mind, I do have two more picks for you before we wrap today's show. One of them a parlay. 
one of them a futures bet on the tournament moving forward. Let's start with the mega parlay. I alluded to some of the money lines I liked early, the value we see in them. What about you know Yannick Sinner, minus 575? I think I made the case pretty definitively already for him against Mikhail Emer. You look for Yannick Sinner this season. It was 53-18 and 18 in his last 52, 28-8 this season. The only time he's lost matches are to top 10 opponents or to win. He's been unhealthy. You look for him in his last 52 weeks. Yannick Sinner against opponents ranked outside the top 50, 34-4. The four losses, Murray, Kyrgios, Sarundalo when he was forced to retire, and then James Duckworth back at the 2021 Canada Masters. These are the players he just feasts on because uh, with all due respect to Mikhail Emer, who again will extend the match, make this match physical, I just don't think he has the weapons to overwhelm Sinner with. So give me Sinner. Uh, obviously, you've got lopsided odds with him. Again, Yannick Sinner currently minus 575 to win tomorrow, but he's leg number one of the parlay. I'm going to take Francis Tiafo as leg number two. This is almost a prove-it match for Francis Tiafo. And when I look for Tiafo, I do still think, you know, again, comfortable 4-4 win for him over Vavasori. Two three-set losses in the lead-up to Wimbledon. But this is a surface that brings out his best, the improvisational skills, the need to move forward, the plus-one tennis, which at his best, Francis Tiafo was able to play that first serve, you know, a top-20 serve on the ATP Tour by win percentage. I just think this is a matchup against Max Martyr, and you look for Francis, where I just think Tiafo, his strength, everything he does is just a little bit better than Max Martyr. And you look for Tiafo, who in his career, not the best record against lefties, but he, you look for him overall in his career, Tiafo, actually 36 and 25 in his career against lefties. 7 and 0 against lefties is Tiafo in his last 52 weeks. That's exactly the bonus stat I was looking for here as he takes on Martyr Francis Tiafo, 7 and 0 against lefties in his last seven matches against them. I just think it's a good matchup for Francis. I know minus 400, again, not the best odds there for Tiafo to bet individually, but we throw him into the parlay with Yannick Sinner. We're also going to throw in Carlos Alcaraz. Carlos Alcaraz now a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, record here in 2022, 33-4 overall, winning essentially 90% of his matches on the season. Yes, it was five-set survival for him against Jan Leonard Struff. Yes, he's played now three total matches in his career on a grass court. Yes, he faces an opponent in Talon Greekspor, who has been a bastion of solidness on the ATP Tour. You look for Greekspor, 53-18 and 18 in his last 52 weeks, set the ATP Challenger record for single uh, for titles in a single season last year, and you look for him here in 2022, 17-14 overall, which again, 55% win percentage. You're not writing home about that, but all those matches coming at the ATP level. He's reached a couple of quarterfinals as well, including a quarterfinal in Mallorca last week. He's proven he belongs at the ATP level, proven he belongs in the top 50 conversation. And right now sitting at number 53, he's at a career high in the ATP rankings is the soon to be 26 year old. This is an absolute, you know, this is a different sort of test than Jan Leonard Struff. Struff was, this is what facing big weapons looks like on a grass court. Greek spore is, this is what physicality looks like when you match up on it on a grass court. But Carlos Alcaraz doesn't lose battles of physicality. And again, he was a computer in learning mode in match number one. I actually think he hits the gas pedal here, and I just think Greek Sport is a tough matchup. Uh, Alcaraz is an extraordinarily tough matchup for Greek Sport because Greek Sport thrives on how solid he is, that solidness winning out, that eventually he's going to find your weakness and be able to exploit that weakness consistently enough that you're not able to overcome him. Carlos Alcaraz doesn't have a weakness. And I again, I just love the matchup for Carlos Alcaraz. So give me Alcaraz as leg number three of the parlay. And by throwing Alcaraz in at minus 295, things get juicy for you. Sinner, Tiafo, Alcaraz, Moneyline parlay. We're not done, folks. Let's throw in the muzzer. Andy Murray, minus 245 against John Isner. Here are just the stats for you. Andy Murray, 8-0 in his career against John Isner. Andy 
Murray, six and two in his career against Kevin Anderson, six and one in his career against Nick Kyrio, seven and zero in his career against Ivo Karlovic, five and one in his career against Vasek Pospisil and against Milos Raonic, nine and four in his career against the big servers, the guys who want to move forward, the guys who want to end points quickly. That's Andy Murray's bread and butter target hitting, you know, beat you to the spot, that sort of tennis, that's where Andy Murray thrives. We already saw him do it, beating a Nick Kyrgios, beating a Sasha Bublik in Stuttgart a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, the big question for we, for match number one, how healthy was Andy Murray? Yes, he dropped the first set, but he just looked rusty. He looked extraordinarily healthy by the end of the match. This is a matchup he's always thrived in. I expect the home crowd to push Murray through. Isner, of course, a five-set winner in round number one, not exactly playing light out tennis right now. Give me Murray to advance ultimately in this match. And uh, if you throw Murray at minus 245 over Isner into the mix, you get some fun odds. So our parlay of the day, Sinner, Tiafo. Alcaraz, Murray, four-man money line parlay, plus 176. We're going to throw half a unit on that to win 0.88. That is our parlay of the day, our last bet of the day. It's a futures to win Iga, to win the tournament. You can get her at plus 140 right now. We may hit this bet again throughout the course of the week, depending on how she continues to look. But 0-3, 3-0, whatever it was in her first round match. She answered my questions. She looks awfully comfortable in her 36th consecutive victory. And yeah, she's got five more matches to figure out the surface before she'd have to play in the Wimbledon final. I just think let's bet on Iga now. And if we have enough on her going into the final, we can hedge our bet and bet on whomever she's playing who would very likely be an underdog. Or maybe there will be a particular matchup where we don't love it for Iga. Maybe she plays an Andrescu who's in form in the quarterfinals. Well, if we have this futures bet on Iga, we can hedge again with Andrescu there. Let's just put some money on Iga Sviantek now, which we can hedge against if we see a matchup we dislike. It just makes sense. She looks that good. So it's time to pull the trigger. We'll put half a unit on that to win 0.7. Again, sticking with the theme of half unit bets everywhere. Our aces of the day on day three to recap. Give me Tommy Paul, minus 155 over Adrian Manorino, half a unit to win 0.32. Diane Perry, minus 150 over my Hatama, uh, half a unit to win 0.33. Oscar Oda, minus five and a half games over Ryan Harrison, uh, Christian Harrison, excuse me, minus 115, half a unit to win point. Four, three, our parlay of the day, Sinner, Tiafo, Alcaraz, Murray, all on the money lines, plus 176, half a unit to win 0.88, and then a futures bet on Iga Sviantek to win the title, plus 140, half a unit to win 0.7. Those are your ace of the day selections for day three. Now, of course, if you're looking for a recap of days one or two, hop on over to our mini break podcast feed. I've got you covered there. All of that content available wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, if you're looking for updates throughout the course of the day, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. A shout out as well to our friends at Turna. Remember, email sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turna family today with all of that said for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turna. And from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. We hope you enjoyed day three's matches and may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.